For the first episode of my new podcast, I wanted to pick a topic that is especially close to my heart. I decided to go with maternal bias, which is a bias that mothers face at work. Now, I don't have kids. And yet, when I heard Lauren's story, it really moved me. It opened my eyes because I don't think I was aware of how becoming a mom can change how others perceive you at work. It made me question if I have this unconscious bias where I judge moms harshly for their competence and availability. This is a story that needs to be heard regardless of whether you are a parent yourself or not. And this is a topic that needs to be discussed. Hi there. You are listening to Unseen Battles, a podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes stories from women leaders. This is your reminder that as you work through your career struggles, you are not alone. I'm your host, Parul Goyal. Every two weeks, I'll bring you raw, honest conversations with a successful leader about a challenge they faced and how it changed them. So, let's get to it. Lauren is an accomplished product leader. She has a degree from Stanford and an MBA from Kellogg School of Management. Most recently, she was a senior director of product at care.com. She's an active speaker and mentor in Bay Area's product and startup community. She has a passion for empowering women and connecting people. And she's a mom to a four and a six-year-old. Lauren, in the two years that I have known you, I have learned so much from you. I really admire how you can just come up with ideas and go ahead and implement them. You and I are going to talk about uh, maternal bias at work, which is bias against moms. And you are going to tell us how you decided uh, when to start a family and what happened once you announced this to your manager. Can you walk us through what happened? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast I'm excited to share this story. I've never shared it publicly before, but I think it's a really important story for people to hear. So I want to start with a little bit of a setup as far as just helping you understand like who I was at that time and what I believed. And I think that'll help you understand then how it all unfolded. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So the first thing to know about me is that I'm a child of immigrants. And so I was really raised to believe that if I just studied hard and worked hard, then I would be successful. And even though like I didn't really know what the job entailed, I decided that I was going to be a CEO one day. Wow, and I knew that. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I didn't know what it really meant, uh -huh. but it just seemed important, right? Uh-huh. So I, I knew that in the previous generations, there weren't a lot of women CEOs. You see all the stats. And really, a part of me just thought that it was because women in previous generations chose not to work or that, you know, they weren't encouraged to follow their ambitions. And I thought that in our generation, that things were different and that really I could achieve it if I just worked hard. Yeah. Okay. That's a good place to start. 
I think the other thing to know about me is that like I was never this like baby crazy person. Like I was uh-huh. never the person who would see a kid walking down the street, a baby, and need to like pick it up and hug it or pinch its cheeks. <laughs> so like even though I knew that I didn't like not want to have kids, if that makes sense. <laughs> I I also like was very kind of thoughtful about when I wanted to introduce this into my life. So like a lot of young women, I was worried about how to balance career and family. And, um, you know, I think probably a lot of of people do this. It's like, I would go to these panels about work-life balance, right? Where, uh, of course, like the women panelists would be asked about, oh, how do you like balance your family and your career and all of this like intelligence gathering to try to figure out what the perfect time would be for me to start a family. Uh I thought that I would have to like be established enough in my career before having kids. You know, I thought that like being further along in my career would mean that I would have more influence or more control over my schedule or be able to like ask for more time off or, you know, whatever I needed that I didn't know that I might need. Um, And so for me, like that time was like, okay, I want to have kids before I'm 35. So I'm not high risk. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully I will have been far enough in my career at that point. So that was your criteria You when you wanted to be well-established, which basically meant you would have just more control over your career. You would have proved yourself and before 35. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I'm a planner, if you can't tell. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that like, if you're far enough in your career too, I also just thought that if I did have a little break that I would be able to get back into the workforce more easily than if I hadn't had traction in my career yet. And, you know, at that point I was doing pretty well at my company. You know, I had just been recognized as one of the couple of people in the company to be part of a leadership training program. Okay. And I, I guess I just came to a point where I realized there wasn't really a perfect time when you magically felt like you were ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that my life would change when I had kids. And I think that just, you know, over time I came around to accepting that my life would change and I became okay with it. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't expect was how people's perceptions of me would change. People's perception would change when you became pregnant or when you had the baby, once you became a mom? Once you're pregnant. Oh, wow. Okay. Starts that early. (laughs) Yep. I mean, you know, once you're pregnant as a woman, you're like visible and Mm -hmm. showing everybody that, you know, this is happening. And so the reason I think pregnancy is very disruptive to women's careers is that uh, you have this period, you know, of nine months where Mm -hmm. you are pregnant. Granted, you're not showing that whole time. So maybe like half that time, right? Mm -hmm. After you've um, told everyone you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so you're walking around at work 
with, uh, with your pregnant belly. And so it's mm-hmm. like a reminder every day that like, okay, you're pregnant. You're not going to be here three months from now. Um, so when it comes time to, you know, figuring out who's going to work on a project or who's going to get promoted, like that's kind of just in the back of people's minds. Lauren, when you decided to get pregnant and start a family, you were at peace with that decision. You were, you felt like you were at a point in your career where you had more control. Age-wise, you felt good. You were in a good place with your decision. But it's when you got pregnant that when you decided, when you started noticing, oh, wait, maybe this is something I hadn't accounted for. Yeah, I think I was at peace with how my own life would change and how I would be able to take care of work as well as take care of things at home. Mm-hmm. I was comfortable with the part that, you know, I felt like was in my control. Mm-hmm. And the part I didn't account for, as you point out, is like how people would see me differently just mm-hmm. because I was pregnant or I was a mom. And did that take you by surprise? What what did you notice where you felt like, wait, people are treating me differently or people are seeing me differently? What 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 did you notice? Well, so I think this is actually a good point to go into the story. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Okay. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. So I had planned to tell my manager that I was pregnant in one of our regular one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't prepare much going into the conversation, right? So that is one of the things where, you know, because I really wasn't expecting that other people's perceptions of me would change, I, I, I didn't really prepare to have any reaction other than, you know, I would drop the news, my manager would be like, congratulations. Mm-hmm. And then we would move on and talk about other things that were on our regular agenda. And that makes sense, right? People have babies every day. Like this is just a very normal part of life. But of course, that's not how it worked. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was in the meeting, what happened was I, I shared my news Mm-hmm. And then my manager responded, you know, I can't remember the exact words, but basically he told me how much work it was going to be for me to take care of a baby. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was just floored. You know, <laughs> I saw like all of the fears that I had uh-huh. about being a mom, about having to balance career and family, like all of those fears just like bubbled up inside me. Yeah. And like, if you could envision like a beach, I felt like I could just see myself getting pulled into the ocean by a rip, rip current. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like paddle furiously to try to get myself out. Mm-hmm. So what I tried to do was to just nip it in the bud and stop that situation. Mm-hmm. I tried to reassure him that I was committed to my work, that I was planning to return to work, that I was going to keep my foot on the pedal 100% and that I would make sure that my team was fully covered before I left for maternity leave. Mm, yeah. So here you would probably, you know, you probably had your own fears and at that point, 
some reassurance would have been nice. Oh yeah, we are here for you. Congratulations. Do what you need to do. And exactly. what you got was somebody who's actually reflecting, like pretty much layering on their own concerns on top of yours, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See, you would have been a great manager for me in that conversation. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear. But instead, he just was not hearing me. He kept going back to how much work it would be, how women end up carrying a heavier load at home. And that conversation just kept ping-ponging back and forth where I was trying to like pull us out of the water. He kept like pulling me in deeper. And I don't remember how exactly the conversation ended, but somehow it finally did. But I, I don't think we ended up talking about any of the other agenda topics that day was just this back and forth that was horrible. Wow. It sounds like your manager's mind went straight to, oh, wait, I'm going to have this gap on my team. <laughs> How do I cover it? Like, is, 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 am I understanding it correctly? Like that was his main concern? I think it was even beyond that because it wasn't just about me being away for yeah. you know a couple weeks or months for the maternity leave. He was already playing it forward to yeah. once I came back that somehow I was going to be less committed mm. because I was a mom. And that's actually like one of the you know, top contributors to the gender pay gap and why women actually get paid less when they become moms is because even if they're working the same amount of hours as men, there's just a perception that they're working less or they're less committed. Yeah. Yeah. And Lauren, this is the this is the company where you were among the few people selected for this leadership program. Yeah. And from there, like there, you suddenly start seeing these concerns bubble up about your per performance, like months in advance. Yeah, um, nothing had changed, right? Except yeah. that I had announced my pregnancy. And, you know, of course, the facts that he was dropping, they weren't wrong. There's plenty of research that shows that women do carry a heavier load in the workplace. Uh, so it is true. But it wasn't the appropriate reaction, right? Mm -hmm. I think if, if I believe that he had the best of intent, mm -hmm. you know, I could say that he may have been trying to be empathetic, mm -hmm. but the way that it came across, it was patriarchal, mm -hmm. it was condescending. And I was really, really just devastated. I felt like I had thrown my career away and you know, as you pointed out earlier, I wanted to go into that meeting feeling like when I was away from the office for a couple of months that I would know and feel confident that my manager just had my back when I was not there. And I, I didn't have that feeling at all. Then what happened, Lauren? This meeting ended outside of this conference room. Did things change? Did, your, did you notice any other changes? So after this meeting, I just kept replaying the conversation over and over in my head. I, I'm sure that happens to you too, right? Yeah, Sometimes right. when, you know, you have a meeting that goes not the way that you wanted it to, I just kept replaying it and thinking about how it could have been different. And 
I shared the experience with a few people too and talked about it. And, you know, I think what I came away with was like, this isn't normal. Okay. And also, I also realized like I couldn't just let it go and pretend that it hadn't happened or that it hadn't impacted me. So I decided that I was actually going to go back to my manager mm-hmm. and tell him how that conversation made me feel. Okay. So it turns out that he had also gone home that night and told his wife about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, this is part of the reason why it was so shocking that he reacted the way that he did, because he has kids, he has a wife that works, and he had managed plenty of women in the past. Mm-hmm. So anyways, he went home, he told his wife about the conversation, and she told him that he did a shitty job at it. <laughs> um, his wife. <laughs> so pretty much like once I came back to him, and open up the conversation about how that last meeting had went. He also admitted that he had not handled it well. Okay. And so we, we talked openly about, you know, how the conversation went and, and talked over it. But, you know, even though, like, I think on the surface, we resolved all of that, uh, I feel like a little piece of, trust was broken. And so even though we had said all the right things at that point, there was just that piece of doubt that lingered inside me that didn't go away. And I just continued to feel really vulnerable. So this was an eye-opening moment for me to really be able to see the unseen battles that moms face. So even though there wasn't any awkwardness, right? Because on the surface, you guys had talked. He had, I guess, somewhat apologized for not handling it well. But for you, you kind of, you knew that now he, maybe he will continue to see you differently. That's right. After your announcement. Yeah. And and then Lauren, very quickly, what happened? So for the rest of your pregnancy, for your, uh, you know, once you had the baby, did you stay in that role? Was that manager supportive? So in the time that I announced my pregnancy and before I went on leave, Mm -hmm. I ended up getting layered with another manager, Okay, um, which wasn't a surprise. Like that was kind of in the plans before I announced the pregnancy. So that wasn't related. Mm -hmm. Um, And then while I was on leave, my job completely changed. Uh, they decided to change the role that I was in and they offered me some different roles. So in a way, like a lot of the fears that I had did play out. (laughs) And that role you think was a consequence of your pregnancy? Like, was it a less, less impactful role? Well, the initial role that was offered to me, I felt was less impactful. I was going from managing a team to becoming an IC. And um, it was kind of like a chief of staff type of role where it's possible that there could be impact, but it wouldn't be, you know, sort of direct from you. It would be by working through others. And I felt like that success or impact would be harder to measure. So I actually didn't accept that role. I um, negotiated for something else that I wanted more. 
Okay. So you were at good. So you were still able to get a role which you felt was more aligned with what you wanted to do. Yes. Did this in general change your experience, not just with the manager, but with the company as a whole? It did change my perception of working there. You know, like I said, like that trust was kind of broken. Mm -hmm. And and yet I still stayed at the company after my pregnancy and after I returned to work. And I think that, you know, the reason behind it was one, because I was interested in the new role. And then also because being a new mom, I was scared that if I changed to a new company, then that would be too many new things at one time. I was worried that if I was learning how to be a mom at the same time, I was learning a new company that that would like just destroy me and I wouldn't be able to be successful at both. So it felt more comfortable to at least stay in an environment, even if I knew it was imperfect. And, um, and then, you know, just continue and move on from there. The other thing that was going through my mind was like, okay, well now I have one kid. Uh If I have a second kid, like when is that going to happen? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If I, change jobs right away, then I, I I could time it properly where like, you know, I don't want to like change jobs and, and then just yeah. get pregnant right away. Yeah. Um, I need to like, at least be at work for like a year before mm-hmm. I get pregnant and I'm out on leave for months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that all is like kind of going through my head too. It was like, okay, can I change jobs and take that like career disruption again or should I just like kind of like take all my lumps right now and then move forward after that I was going to ask you that Lauren so you had a second kid did you do anything differently in terms of how you announced it what do even just managing your expectations was the experience any different when you had your second kid when I had my second I was less I guess excited about announcing it <laughs> as you would imagine oh, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine uh, it being a very stressful conversation based on what happened to you <laughs> yeah I uh, you know I think the first time I gave the news pretty much once I finished the first trimester right that's kind of the time yeah. when um, you announce it to everybody in your life um, the second time, I tried to hold that information as long as I could, and I specifically tried to hold it until after the review cycle for that year was completed, because I didn't want that information to pollute my past year's results. Yeah, and even if it didn't, I didn't want to like have that doubt, right? Yeah. Um, so I think those are some of the things that I did differently. Of course, with that first time experience, I was like, well, it probably can't be worse. <laughs> um, and in fact, when I told my uh, manager at that time um, about my second pregnancy, then it was like the perfect conversation, right? Oh, nice. So he was like, congratulations, you know, all, all those right things. And, you know, there's still so much time between then and like when I'd actually be out that like, you don't need to talk about the details of your coverage or anything like it at that time. It's just like, okay, great. Like 
let me know how I can support you. Oh, that's nice to hear after that first conversation. <laughs> you were smart about the second conversation, Lauren, where you waited until after the review cycle. And it's kind of sad, right, that you have this big, exciting thing happening in your life. But these are the kind of details you have to worry about uh, when telling people, when then sharing this big news, like the timing has to be right. And you, it's the, the burden of inspiring confidence somehow falls on you. Uh, going into this conversation right yeah it feels like it shouldn't have to be something yeah. where you're hiding it right yeah. it feels like you know a lot of, a lot of times women they'll try to wear like baggier clothes so they're not showing and and things like that it just doesn't feel like I shouldn't be able to just be my whole self at work yeah yeah there are many women, I am sure, who are trying to make the same decision, who have the same worries about when do I start my family, start a family? How would that impact my career? Having been through these experiences, what advice would you have for them? First of all, I would say that there's definitely no perfect time to start a family, right? If you are trying to prioritize your career and schedule your family and your life around it, mm -hmm. then I would just tell you, don't do that. Okay. You've got to make, you've got to live your life, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my first big takeaway. I think the other thing, which, you know, I've learned with the blessings of time is that you know, after that whole experience, I went through this whole period of time when I was super sensitive to letting people know if I was a mom. When I eventually did look for other jobs, mm -hmm. I knew that, you know, marital status is a protected work class. I knew that there was a lot of maternal bias. And so I really did everything I could to never like bring up kids or have that be part of the interview process, mm -hmm. even to the point where like I would go in, into interviews and like, you know, my phone would be sitting on the table. Right. Mm -hmm. So I actually changed my lock screen picture so that oh. it didn't have a picture of my family. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't want to, you know, get a notification and have my screen light up and then have people be able to see and pick up that signal that I had kids. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the state of mind that I had for probably a couple years after having kids. But eventually, you know, I think I, I had a big mental shift where, you know, I accept that life's not fair. The world's not fair. There is bias against moms. And frankly, like, if a company has that culture where that's a problem, or even if it's not the whole company, even if it's just that manager, yeah. like, I don't want to be part of it. Right. So. I think it's actually like going to do me a favor to find that out sooner so that I don't join a company where I'm not going to be happy, where it won't work out in the long run. Yeah. And so uh, I don't actively try to hide it anymore. Like I, I don't try to like bring it into a conversation awkwardly if it doesn't need to be, but if it naturally comes up, then 
you know, then it comes out naturally. I don't, I don't try to withhold. Got it. So in some ways, this is part of now your interview process because you want to go into a company and a culture where this is just part of life, right? Where they expect people with kids to, you know, where they're friendly or where they accept people with kids, where they don't have such strong biases that even show up in the interview process. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, like it still happens, right? Like I was in an interview probably a year or two ago and the interviewer starts beating around the bush and trying to ask me, do you have enough support? Mm-hmm. It was a job at a startup. You know, we had never talked about like, I have kids or, you know, anything like that. But all of a sudden they're like, do you have enough support to like take this job? And yeah. I knew right away what yeah. that was about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So then I just, you know, kind of addressed it head on. I told him that I knew what he was asking, that yeah. it wasn't actually something he should be asking. <laughs> you told him that during the interview? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Good for you, Lauren. Yeah. Well, you know, interviewers know that there are yeah. protected work classes and that there are certain questions that are illegal. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I did it in kind of like a sort of yeah. joking tone. I wasn't like waving <laughs> my finger or anything, but. <laughs> And then I told him, yeah, I do have plenty of support. Yeah. But then I never heard from the company again. So <laughs> there you go. You beat them out. <laughs> Mutually, I guess. Yeah. Lauren, I wanted to ask you, so it's, it sounds like these things still happen, right? And even in the interview process that you mentioned. Uh, now, coming out of this experience, how do you get over it? Does it still bother you? What bothers me is that this is still such an issue across society today. And, you know, I have a daughter, right? Like, I don't want her to grow up and still be in the same world that I'm in today. Like, my only hope is that things will get at least a little bit better by the time she's in the working world. Today, there's this huge gender pay gap. uh, And the research shows that when college-educated men and women get out of college, your initial job almost starts at, like, no pay gap. Okay. Uh, but by the time you are age 45, the pay gap is about 55%, which is wow. just astounding, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, 73% of that pay gap is because women don't get raises and promotions at the same rate as men at those companies. I see. And do you think some of it is related to these life events that impact women more than they impact men? Absolutely. Um, I can tell you, in my opinion, how that breaks down, (laughs) which is like, you know, first you are since you are the one that is physically growing a child, you have no choice, but you have to take maternity leave because you have to go through the physical labor and delivery process. So even if you don't want to like be at home for an extended period with your child, like your body still needs to recover from the experience. So that I think is um, required versus with men, even when they have the equivalent, you know, time off for leave, 
a lot of them choose not to take that full amount. So then when you go into that year end review process, then you have, you know, a man that has been at work a hundred percent of the time versus a woman that's been there, you know, let's say 75% of the year. And so if you just judge those accomplishments against each other, then, then man's going to get a higher rating. So that's like kind of the first setback. And then the second thing, you know, which we talked about earlier was that, uh, when the woman returns to work, even if they work as many hours as men, the research shows that they're viewed as less committed still. So then those two factors, I think, together kind of make it so that women don't get promoted as much as men. Uh, Some research out of Denmark showed that the pay gap is actually much smaller for women without children to men. So it's like been proven that it's almost all because of, you know, women who are moms. You know, I, uh, there was a, somebody I used to work with, this guy, and he had a baby. You're absolutely right. He did not take all of his paternity leave. He took a week off. And his out-of-office said he was on vacation. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see his wife's out-of-office <laughs> to see what he said. And that's the other microaggression, too, actually. Like, as a woman, when you are out from maternity leave, before and after the leave, people will be like, how was your vacation? You know, like, and it's like, I wasn't on vacation. Like, I was, it's not like I was sitting on a beach, right? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, Lauren, I have so, to tell you, I have been guilty of asking people that until somebody told me, you know, it wasn't a vacation, right? Yeah, that would like really piss me off. <laughs> And when I saw my sister's pregnancy firsthand and her delivery, and that really opened my eyes. I was like, yeah, this is no vacation. This is harder than I've ever worked. (laughs) Yeah, I had two C-sections. So like, basically, the whole like middle of my body was like cut open. (laughs) So I had to recover from that all the while, like nursing a child, right? So that's not the kind of vacation I want to be on. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for uh, sharing your unseen battles, honestly, with us. Um, if our audiences want to reach uh, reach you, how can they, with questions about the podcast, how can they connect with you? Thank you so much for asking that. Uh, I do a couple of things. I write a weekly newsletter. I have a video series around weekly product reflections. And I've also created a journal uh, so that you can keep up with your reflection and your weekly review processes. And you can find out information about all of those on my website, which is just laurenchanlee.com. Yeah, and I will make sure I include the your website in the episode notes. And I also want to add, you recently published two articles about New Year resolutions. And anyone who's serious about their New Year resolutions must read it. I just, I found them very inspiring. So thank you for sharing those. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you, Lauren, for sharing your Unseen Battle. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, help me spread the word by sharing the episode with a friend you think would like it.